Don't worry, you guys aren't going to make me laugh that loud. You're not funny. Um, I don't know about that. We're pretty funny guys. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think I we're remember legit. one time we made a beaver joke and you laughed like crazy. Beaver? A, a beaver or a beaver? No, wasn't it a beaver joke? Didn't you say something about shooting a beaver? I just remember Connor cracking up at that. Was it the mic shooting the joke? iguana? <laughs> was it shooting an iguana? <laughs> yeah, that was very early oh, on. Oh yeah, it was. My brother well, Ethan liked that joke. What was the joke? It was I just said straight up guys, have you ever shot an iguana? Oh yeah. <laughs> that and, was it. And Rob said one time. <laughs> and you said it was one iguana many times. <laughs> <laughs> I thought because you also laughed pretty hard at the mic stand joke. If I <laughs> That is patently false. <laughs> did you ever tweet that? Heck no, I did not. Gosh, that's why we this. only have 75 followers. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. So, Rob, what was the thing that you wanted to oh, I had talk a, about? Excuse me. I had a number of things that um, I wanted to talk about. So I'll, I'll throw out like the two kind of general topics, and then you guys can pick whatever one, and I'll kind of get into why I thought they would be good PCasting. One, the first one was kind of a, a proposition I worked through in my head a lot over break, thought and prayed a lot about, is like introducing um, a a typical, like, very holy, devout Protestant to the person of Jesus Christ as a Catholic. And then the second one would be that statement, like, oh, happy fault, how our sins can even become, like, sources of, of grace in that. So I'm not going to, I'll let you guys kind of pick from pick from. This there. is like a choose-your-own-adventure book. <laughs> Do we get the, we're characters and we get to make decisions and then we'll end up one, one way or another? Yeah, which yeah, one yeah. are you Go leaning there, towards? Right? I'm really going either way. Just pick one. You're the priest. Priest. Let's do, we did Protestants last time. Let's do uh, Oh Happy Fault. Okay. Yeah. I, I think the Oh Happy Fault one is especially good because we've all had reversions of a sort. Right. That has been an encounter of Jesus through some sort of a fault. Mm-hmm. So not only theoretically can we say that this is true, but we've experienced it ourselves that through faults of our own, we've had this Oh Happy Grace moment yeah. through these faults. Well... So I've I've certainly had that experience, especially as of late, where even like I can honest for really the first time in my life, the past maybe six months, I can look back at like the course of my entire life and I can like sit here and honestly say I wouldn't change anything because it got me to where I'm at right now. And like it, this experience of God, the father's love. And so there's even like going back into certain moments of sin very vividly, like that's where there's been this experience of like, that's actually where God has been loving me the most was in those moments. And over break, I prayed on this a little bit and got into even like my experiences of other people's like seeming downfalls or seeming sins or whatever, or just like a lapse in judgment, whatever that somehow impacted me at first negatively, became, like, this huge source of grace. And so, honestly, I was praying over break, just kind of recounting last semester, 
And I would name the number one like grace-filled moment for me was that whole experience of, I'm not going to say the name, but we all know who I'm talking about, the, the priest that left the priesthood. Because um, that impacted me like big time because I felt like I articulated in my prayer that like I had lost a father. And like dads don't leave. You don't do that if you're a dad. And so as I prayed through it, I had this experience, um, certainly felt John Paul II's presence um, as a father, like leading me to God the Father's love and realizing that he's not going to leave. And so I talked to um, one of the IPF priests a little bit about it, and he had this, he pretty much in a very loving way, you know, told me that I was looking at that priest as an idol. And he said, you know, you can't, kind of like what we've talked about before, God's going to tell you your own story. And it's like you have to find Jesus inside of your own heart and live from that reality, from that identity. Um, so I don't know, like, that's just what I had. I don't know how far it'll go really in this discussion, but it's really powerful for me over, over break to even be, in a sense, in a very weird way, like, thankful for this one situation because it led me closer to Christ in my own life. And it doesn't mean I wish that it happened. It doesn't mean that I wish, um, you know, he wasn't still a priest or anything like that. But in this thing that drilled me, like, honestly, it was really, really hard for me. There it is. It was probably, I would name it as the biggest grace of last semester for me. Yeah. What it reminds me of is, um, like my life kind of had, my life in Christianity, committed discipleship, had kind of two stages. One was pre-seminary and one was um, in the seminary. And pre-seminary, I guess what attracted me to um, taking faith seriously and learning, and I was just talking to uh, Father Vincent about this earlier today, about, like I remember at Newman, at the University of Illinois, noting that there's a 10 o'clock p.m. group that walks around campus praying the rosary. And I just went one night. I was curious, you know. I never prayed the rosary as a kid. No one ever taught me how to do it. I think we made them in in CCD class or something, but never prayed them together. And But it was kind of like a curiosity to me. Um, so I, like, looked up the prayers on the Internet and, and secretly, like, memorize them and I would have them with me like in the cafeteria eating cereal in the morning praying hail holy queen mother of mercy our life our sweetness and trying to memorize it like <laughs> memorizing a, a poem or like an organic chemistry problem or something and uh, like why was I doing those things why was I going to daily mass or trying to go to confession every week and and these like goals I was setting for myself and and what was the motivation and it, it's always I think comes back to why does anybody do anything it's because it makes them happy or it gives them some good feeling and happiness is a feeling. And what I was feeling was like, I'm a better version of myself, you know, like kind of like when you wake up in the morning before the sunrise and you drink a cup of coffee and you're quiet and you read rather than wake up, turn the TV on, you know, and just kind of go mindlessly through your day. You feel better when you're doing good, you know, and it's obviously it feels good to stay in bed. But there's a deeper good feeling in getting out of bed and doing what needs to be done in your day. And and to me, it was like that's being a good Catholic was just part of that. You know, this is how I'm a, the best version of Connor, a good man living a good life I can be proud of is by doing the right thing 
faith-wise, you know. But that road is a little bit, as we all know, I think, is a little bit uh, full of pitfalls because you start thinking like, okay, well, then Christianity is basically just moral perfection. Get good. And if you're not good, do better. Do more penances so that you stop wanting to sin and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's, it's basically like training for the Olympics or something. And certainly sanctity is, has a heroic aspect. And St. Paul talks about like training and running so as to win and those sort of things. But um, the reason Jesus Christ never sinned wasn't because he was the most disciplined guy or because he um, never slept in and, you know, never stubbed his toe and just led the perfect life, you know, but that he was totally aware of his utter poverty and that God loved him and took care of him. And he lived on God's charity. And that's what I didn't discover until seminary, when precisely I was aware of my weakness the most. And the thing that got me similar to why it connects to your story, Juice, is because a guy ahead of me in the seminary left. Mm -hmm. And it was a guy I'd looked up to for a really long time. And um, I was kind of, the feeling I had was jealousy. Above all, it wasn't like sadness or... um, offense. I wasn't hurt by it. I was freaking jealous. I was like, I wish I had the guts to leave the seminary because I don't know what's keeping me here. Um, And what it turned out to be, I went to IPF that summer to Omaha and at the eight day retreat, just sort of dealt with, with my director, just all of these fears, insecurities, doubts, like, do I, am I, am I not getting something that everybody else gets, you know, with this whole God thing? Like, you guys all talk about feeling his love. And um, I guess my deepest religious feeling was feeling good about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, getting out of confession and feeling like, gosh, I'm glad I got that guilt off me. Or, you know, going to Mass more often and feeling like I'm getting this. You know, I'm getting in a good rhythm. I'm hearing more of the scriptures and being a better person. But that warm fuzzy of feeling good about myself was kind of not good enough anymore. And I'm like, why do I still not want to be a priest, you know, even though I think that God's calling me? And it had to be, in a way, I had to have, like, the insecurity and the fear of, like, well, what if all my friends leave and then I don't even have any friends that are priests, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just me and I'm miserable. And that's when Jesus came to me in prayer and was like, I mean, I made myself open to it by going on this retreat, doing my holy hours, But it was just one holy hour and it was like, boom, you're bushwhacked by Christ. And he's like, look, man, I love you more than you love yourself. I know you better than you know yourself. And it was a personal face-to-face encounter. Not like I heard his voice or that he appeared to me in his body, but in the Eucharist, just seeing like the scales fall off in my eyes and seeing that this is really Jesus and that this is for real. This is not a moral self-help you know, program where if you do these things, you'll feel good and you'll be happy, like reading a book about how to de-stress your life or lose weight. This is an encounter with a real person. And until I got that, I couldn't be sure that I'd be happy myself as a priest. And in a way, like it was feeling the lack and feeling the helplessness of um, not being able to hold on to somebody else's coattails and let them drag me through this and be like, as long as I got my buddies 
even though I'll be lonely, you know, and not have a wife and blah, blah, blah. And it, it gets down to, I think, not to ramble on, but a, a thing they talked about at IPF, which was deconstructing your desires. I was just talking about this last night with one of the pre-theologians. Have mm-hmm. we talked about this before? I don't think on the podcast. I, yeah, I don't think so. You, you, have you heard it, Mike? I haven't. So the, the, the perfect example was uh, one of the priests at IPF talked about how when he was a kid, all he wanted was for the Pittsburgh Pirates to win the World Series. And he wanted it so bad. And it was, he was always frustrated because they never did. And this resonated big time with me because I was a Cubs fan <laughs> all through like grade school, middle school. And they just busted my heart. Really? The Cubs? <laughs> <laughs> what are they, funny or something? Um, so he said that this thing kept breaking his heart and it was like this unfulfilled desire he had. But when he came to adulthood, he, he just sort of like looked at that desire. What did he really want? Like get to the bottom. And this is true of all our desires because we just come out of the womb wanting stuff. Food, water, sleep, love, whatever. We get into the world and we realize we're incomplete and we want something. But a lot of times we can't even put our finger on what it is we're looking for, which is why we get addicted to things and, and we look for satisfaction in things that don't satisfy and he said, what I wanted was to be on the side of a winner. Hmm. I wanted to be behind the winning team and part of it, of victory. And that I realized I could have. And it didn't depend on how the Pittsburgh Pirates did. And what I came to realize in the seminary and now post-seminary is that what I really want, and this is not, I'm not being selfish or, or, or whatever, um, and just like me, 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 I come into the world and I want what I want. It's really how God treats us. He's like, okay, I made you to want something and I want to give it to you. But if you keep asking for the wrong thing for a Cubs World Series or a huge house and tons of money, that's not really what you want. And it's the same thing you do to kids that want ice cream for breakfast. You're like, it's not really what you want. Trust mm-hmm. me, I know better. And God knows us better and he loves us more than we do ourselves. And what I wanted was to be a father to be a husband, to most of all, to give my life to someone who really wanted to receive it, you know, and that I could have and that I do have. I guess going, what was resonating with me when you were talking and telling that story, like this specific grace in my life, when you're talking about that, like encounter when Jesus came to you in prayer, like I certainly had that. And this priest from IPF, Help me articulate it after the fact, but there was this real pain and um, sense of abandonment, mm. and this priest that I had looked up to so much and had like influenced me right when I was getting back like into my faith. I mean, this guy was the guy um, I looked up to, and all of a sudden, it was like, man, if Father so and so can leave, like anybody can leave Mm -hmm. and if anybody can leave then god can leave Mm. and if god can leave like what the hell am i doing not only like studying to be a priest but being a catholic like being a christian yeah and it was just right there that so that that was kind of like that experience for me it was like certainly an experience of jesus but it started in that holy hour i was praying in the jp2 chapel like right by his shrine Mm -hmm. and Man, like I know, you know, another thing 
they talked about at IPF when I was there was like kind of these felt experiences, these spiritual senses. Mm -hmm. And uh, the best way I can describe it was like he was sitting next to me. And then there was, I mean, Therese was kind of there as well. And not to get into like a weird spiritualism, Mm -hmm. but like you could feel them there. And it was kind of like them saying like, this sucks, but I love you. Mm. And like, that's what I needed to hear. And just like it progressed through that holy hour to where it was, it was, it was that encounter with Christ. And he was saying like, I realize this is hard, but I love you. And if you let me, I will make this a point of grace in your life. Mm-hmm. And man, like it's such a vulnerable spot to be because yeah. I wanted to be like, no, you don't touch that. Mm-hmm. Like no one can touch that. But if you let him, then like that's where the grace can come in. And so it's beautiful. Um, but it's it's kind of hard too. And another thing it made me think of Therese because you do have the oh happy fault and this grace moment through a sinful experience. But it's also important to remember that you don't have to necessarily fall into mortal sin or have this terrible experience in order for God to come and and reach you there with this big grace moment. Um, but that experience of of sin and a detraction, a breaking of communion with with God kind of confronts us with this reality of, man, I really do need God. So that makes the poverty, the dependence of being human, very, very evident for us. Um, and Therese talked about it in her writings, how jealous she was of Mary Magdalene, right? Like, I wish that I had sinned as much as Mary Magdalene so that I could receive as much love as God. But she also had a super excellent understanding of how poor and how little she was. Because that's the whole point that God's trying to get us to is, I'm here for you and you need me and not in some kind of like a crazy God way of God is controlling, you know, every aspect of our lives and blah, blah, blah. Um, but that that's going to lead to our greatest happiness. And it doesn't always call come from a sin or come from, you know, some terrible mistake, but that's when we're, our eyes are finally open. You know, the, the fall in Genesis, when they do eat of the apple, their eyes really are open that's the time that God can really show himself to us. Um, but it is, it's all about that poverty. That's where humility is so, so incredibly huge. But Yeah, because I think that one of the questions that comes up when you talk about Christianity or even life like this, the question is where, how do you progress or where do you go? You know, like what I was talking about with my college experience was I know exactly what the plan is, is to get better every year. And so that every time Lent comes around, I do a harder penance. And that means I'm holier. And so it's just like the same way that those guys in the business school want to make the most money. I want to make the most holiness in my life. I want to do the best acts, you know, and just like make a spreadsheet of how much time I'm spending in corporal works of mercy and just increase it ever so more every every year. And and like metrics of performance, basically. Do you sleep on a bed of nails yet? <laughs> I was hoping to get that in 2017, but <laughs> that's not my five-year plan. Nice. Um, but exactly, that's my point. Is like, are we are we on a program here of like, I want to lift more weights, so I need to eat this many whatever grams of protein? Or it's not that what we're talking about is poverty, um, utter dependence on God, and Him coming to us in the situations of our lives where we feel the weakest or most helpless or most abandoned. And um, 
then then this becomes a relationship, a friendship, rather than uh, like winning a gold medal. And what happens in friendship is is progress. You know, you become closer friends with a person, but not by uh, trying really hard, but by spending time and falling in love. And what that means is vulnerability. And so if there's any progress in the spiritual life, it's progress in vulnerability. And I think that, to my mind, most of the people walking around uh, on a daily basis that you're going to run into are at level zero. And that's why I preach on confession as much as I can, because if anything, I mean, set aside the supernatural gift of absolution, the fact that I, as a priest, really can wipe away the eternal consequences of whatever sin you're sorry for. Take that and put it aside for a minute and just say, you have things that you've done, said, wanted, or thought that you're ashamed of and that don't fall in line with what you believe are the fundamental values about life, that you've fallen short and you, you regret things. Are you going to be vulnerable enough to even just say them out loud to another person who's sworn to secrecy and who will, you know, 99% of the time respond in mercy and non-judgmental love. Um, that's a step towards vulnerability. And I'm not asking you to do anything heroic or give away half your income and come follow me. I'm just asking you to trust that it's okay if you let a little bit of light into the dark parts of your heart. And that's the first step. And for me, that was the first step uh, towards feeling like, whoa, there's something really here behind the veil in Catholicism that's really great. Even just on a human level, my first good confession in high school was like, nobody's offering this that I know of, that you can be totally yourself and say some of the things that you don't want anybody to know about you that you've thought or done and you can just like say that and this person will respond this way in love and that's that's god that was a god moment you know and then people progress towards a greater amount of trust and that's what faith is you know taking these risks and stepping out of comfort zones and being vulnerable and putting yourself in a position to be maybe hurt but definitely loved you know uh wounded by love if you know you want but you have to unbandage your heart a little bit and so that's now my whole rubric of progress is like am i are there parts of my heart where i hang on to something that's my property you know or do i turn it all over to this god who i know loves me but deep down in my heart there's some fear or insecurity that if i do this or if i let him see this or um whatever and sometimes it's concrete experiences like do i trust enough to go you know stand in this hospital room while this family pulls the plug um because i'm scared that i'm gonna not know what i'm doing and i'm gonna you know feel really awkward and not belong there or it's just like you know are do i have enough trust to like say this to this person who i really think needs to hear it you know or call this person or whatever or say i'm sorry you know i don't know that these they, they're not flashy things but it's like that's what a saint is 
A saint is not a gold medalist mm-hmm. who trained the hardest and therefore, you know, can look down his nose at all these sinners. A saint is a perfect human being who's totally entered into the, the ugliness and the messiness of life without fear that he'll be tainted by it, you know? Yeah, and then by entering into that darkness has allowed God, the only person who can raise him up to do so. Where, and I, that's the biggest problem of being American, you know, our generation is we really do want to do, we want to do it. I want to pull myself up by the bootstraps and be a Pelagianist. And I don't really want anyone else's help. And so that saint is the one who really can enter into that with total abandonment. And especially when you talk about the nature of a relationship, a friendship, because, you know, even striving for sanctity without knowing the person of Christ is still aiming towards a goal like an athlete, which, like you said, Paul talks about in the scriptures. And we do need to have that mindset in a sense to motivate us, especially humanly forward. But when you begin to talk about God as a person who knows and loves you and is with you all the time and is walking with you, then uh, you it does allow you to enter into this abandonment, this sense of, you know, I think of having a really good friendship and your friend coming up and being like, hey, I need your help. Hop in the car with me and, you know, I need you to go do X, Y, Z for me. We're going on an adventure. If you know that friend really, really well and you really love that friend, That's you're going to get in the car, yeah. right? Even if you don't really know where the heck he's going or what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what happens when you have another person that you're actually speaking to and that actually wants to be in union with you. Uh, it's a dynamic relationship that really when you give yourself to it, it's going you know, to lead you anywhere. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the adventure of being a Christian. That's what it is, but it takes detachment to the things that we want that are these base pleasures that God is saying, you know, there's something more that you really want. And it's me. Just come on with me and I'll show it to you. Um, but dude, I'm telling you, a 24 year old American, that's a mama. That's mm-hmm. tough to do. Yeah, That's tough to do. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Down.